Welcome, everybody, to the Stoke It Up podcast, a podcast encouraging you in your journey with God. I'm Alan Stoddard, and I am your host, and I'm excited about today's episode because I am going to speak some things into your life. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, Kindle afresh the gift of God that is in you. You have a gifting from the Lord to be on display in the great commission purpose of life to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching. I'm going to explore that with you today, give you an update on the podcast, what the ministry is looking like and how you can partner with us. I'm going to make a big request of you today. So let's jump in and let me say a few things to you now. So I have started the podcast because I came out of New Mexico to Texas and I was looking for uh, some ministry purpose. I was a pastor in a church, uh, Calvary Chapel Rui Doso and uh, Stokey Church, just amazing uh, church. Man, I miss that church so much. But uh, God moved me to Texas to be with my mom who needed some help in this season of her life. And so very excited about what God's doing. So I shifted and I stepped out by faith and God is doing amazing things. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, I started a podcast because I had been talking to some younger friends of mine and telling them what I was thinking about doing. And, and I just got here and I jumped out. I am not technically savvy. I am learning a lot of this on the fly. I am the boneyard version of podcasting. I am not the expert at any of this, but I want to keep speaking the things that I believe God would have us make a priority in this season of our lives because it's very, very important. So the Stoke It Up podcast, thank you to my audience for jumping in, sharing this, and being a part of what I would call the Stoke community. We're family. Stoking it up, there's a message I'm putting together that I'll throw out in a week or two that to stoke it up, what does that mean to kindle afresh the gift of God that is in you as Paul told Timothy, I'll flesh that out, but you have a gifting from God. That gifting is the Holy Spirit working and transforming in your life. Now, I want to make a big request of you today. All of the episodes that I've done have been related to evangelism for the most part and or disciple making. And last week we had Ellen Cornell on here. It was a fantastic episode. If you haven't listened to that, you need to go back because I'm going to do a follow-up here and give you some personal explanation of what I think it's going to take to make disciples. Now, the request that I'm asking of you today is I'm asking you to become a disciple maker. I'm asking you to become a disciple maker. And I've got three things that I want to share. They were the outline for last week, but I want to put some story to it and some scripture to it and take it to another level. I want to ask you to become a disciple maker and the kind of disciple making that you will do will involve you making disciples who after about a six to eight month period, a year at the most, your disciple, the person that you disciple, and ultimately we're all disciples of Jesus, but the person that you feed into will be able to do the same thing to a newer or younger believer in the Lord. Now, if you are 
uh, watching on YouTube, I'm going to bring up a keynote presentation for you. And uh, you don't have to be on YouTube to be to get this. It's going to make sense if you're listening uh, in the podcast for Apple and Google. But I want to talk to you about becoming a disciple maker who can make disciples who make disciples. That phrase has become a phrase because in the last 20 years, we've seen that the church growth area and church has been ineffective. We feed people and we feed people and we feed people, but the problem becomes they never mature. Disciples in the church, they never mature beyond I go to church and I contribute. And, I, and we are thankful for that. We want you to know your spiritual gifts. I'm going to help you with that. We want you to know how to share the gospel. We thank you for that. We, we, we bless that. We, we want you to become, of course, a student of the Bible, of course. But we want you to see that within a framework of you're a disciple of Jesus who has matured enough to be able to disciple some other newer, younger believer, I would call it, in the Lord. Well, look at this slide. Uh, if you're looking online, um, it's it says one in 10 newer, younger believers gets discipled one-on-one. -on -one. After someone is saved and baptized, that person, if you ask in a room, how many of you, after you were saved and baptized, how many of you are discipled one-on-one -on -one or one-on-three? If you ask that question of anyone, here's what you're going to find. Only one person in 10 in the room will say, I was discipled the way that Jesus discipled the 12. And then he had Peter, James, and John. Let me make the matters worse for you. If you're watching this in YouTube, look at this funnel. And if you're not, this is a funnel that I'm showing. And it has three things on the inside. We do big group things in churches, we do small groups, and we do one-on-one. -on -one. This is the way the pattern of the New Testament. Big groups, big, big things, hundreds of people. Small groups, Jesus took 12 and others. He probably had a small group of about 20 to 25 people. The 12 get the main press, but his point was this, he did it in a small group. And then there was one-on-one -on -one or one-on-three, Peter, James, and John. Now, if you will look at the way Jesus did it, now these numbers here, they're not scientific. In other words, I don't have a footnote for them other than Robert Coleman, the evangelism professor legend at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, he has a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism, and he points out this principle. Jesus spent only 20% of his time, let's say, Coleman doesn't use the number, but I give it 20% in big groups. He spent 50% in small groups, and he spent 30%, let's say, doing one-on-one -on -one or one-on-three with Peter, James, and John type relationships. Now, forget the numbers. Just see the principle. Jesus spent more time in smaller than he did big. But no notice on the right-hand side, on the other side, the church of today. We spend 70% of our time doing big group stuff for Sunday mornings, programs, and things like that in churches. We spend only maybe 29% in small groups. Now, that might be a little higher. I'm not sure that it is. I think I could argue that that's a pretty fair statistic compared to where our efforts and everything go. And then only 1%, only 1 in 10 gets discipled one-on-one, one-on-three, and disciples being made. Smaller groups were Jesus' priority for discipling. Smaller groups are not the priority for us to make disciples in the Western church. 
So I'm not talking to you about a program. I think programs are pretty much the enemy of disciple making. They, I mean, when I say that, that sounds harsh, but I mean, I mean this. I mean, when disciples are made, a program is only a pathway to get people exposed to information. But how do we know whether they really get it or not? We have to put them in smaller groups. And why don't we do that? Why is that not number two, our strategy? We need to keep our disciple making organic, I tell people. Well, here's the deal. Why don't we do that? Because it takes more work and it's slower in its fruit. It takes more work and it's slower in its fruit. But I can tell you that it does work and it does produce fruit. Disciple making is relational, intentional, and reproducible. And I always tell the people that I disciple, it's not about you. It's about other people. Now, when a newer, younger believer gets saved and baptized, here's four things that I want to show you that I teach newer, younger believers, and I get it to where they are able to disciple other people. These foundational truths are confidence in your relationship with God. That's the doctrine of assurance. That's the doctrine of salvation and the doctrine of assurance. Number two, experiencing the love and forgiveness of God. What do you do with a newer, younger believer or even a seasoned believer? What do you do with that person who still has a sinful nature after he or she becomes a Christian and they, new believers, don't know what to do with that sinful nature? We teach them how to keep short accounts with God and to confess their sins constantly, and we do it in a way that's one-on-one, so we're coaching them, we're mentoring them, we are being, most of all, friends in the Lord to them, and we show them how to experience the love and forgiveness of God on a daily basis, and then we teach them how to live being filled with the Holy Spirit, how to, how to live that full life in Christ, something that's a daily part of, of the routine, not just a Sunday, oh, it felt good to be in the presence of the Lord, but I can walk in the fullness of the Spirit all day long. And then walking with the Spirit of God. These are four internals. And I'm not going to camp on these. Uh, I don't want to camp on them and make them uh, the priority right now. Because that's another podcast. Because we, we, it takes me a plenty amount of time to disciple someone one-on-one, one-on-three. Let me give you some examples. Relational, intentional and reproducible. When I talk to pastors about evangelism and discipleship, I'll talk to them and they'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I use an imagery, as I said last week when Ellen was on the podcast, I use an imagery with these circles. And what I got, I got from another guy named John Burton. And then before him, I got it from a, 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 another mentor of mine named uh, Dr. Lloyd Seaboard. And in, in discipling, it's got to be smaller, and it's got to be efficient. And what I learned from John Burton, who used to work for Campus Crusade for Christ, and so did Lloyd Blue. I'm going to have him on the podcast soon, and he's going to tell you some of that. I'll tell you it's going to be stoked up. But I would, I would break it down like this. It's relational, intentional, and reproducible. When I talk to pastors about this, they'll go, yeah, relational, it's all good, yeah. And then they'll, I'll say, well, what's your intentional content? And yeah, okay, yeah, I've got this. Where I tell them to read the book of John. And I do too. I tell people, read the book of John. But what do we mean by that? That's the question. That's an insufficient answer in my book. Um, 
And but when I get to the part of reproducible, can the people that you disciple, can they give it away to where you could assign them a newer, younger believer? Could you send them to a Greg Laurie crusade and say, I could disciple this person without using any other book, without using any other material except the Bible and a piece of paper? And we use these imagery things on a piece of paper called the circles. That'll, that's another topic. I don't have time to unload all that. But today I'm asking you to become a disciple maker. Now, how do you do it and why do you do it? Let me give you the why. First of all, it's relational. Most of us will know how to do this. Notice, notice what it says. Jesus in Mark 3, verses 13 through 15, it says, now Jesus, he went up the mountain and called those he wanted and they came to him. And the Bible says here, he appointed 12 whom he named apostles so that they would be with him. I'm going to stop right there. Jesus calls these 12 that they might be with him. He spent three years with these 12 and others, and he poured his life into them. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, I really appreciate the chosen because they're making an attempt to give us some application of that in a way that's visual. I really think it's great because too many Christians don't see themselves as disciples. They see themselves as Christians. Jesus chose these 12 that they might be with him. We need, if our Savior wanted relationship and he discipled out of a small group and 12 people, we need those relationships in our life. If we're going to do it, it's not going to happen in a big group, but that's our only focus. It's got to happen in a smaller setting. That's what the Savior did. Notice what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2, 8 to that church. He said, with, with such affection for you, he said, we were happy to share with you not only the gospel of God. So they included the gospel of God, the teaching, the good news that Christ died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again. Not only that, he says, but also we gave also, we shared also our own lives because you had become dear to us. It's about relating to people. It's about relating to all people. I'll give you an example of this. Uh, there's a friend of mine that I'll have on the podcast. He's a part of our team chosen. But he's, uh, he's my brother, and his name is Tim Ebert. Tim Ebert came to First Baptist Church Ruidoso years ago in New Mexico, and he got connected. Uh, long story short, this guy came, and he was such an unlikely candidate to be in church. He, um, he didn't dress right. He, um, he, he wore shorts to church and we were a first Baptist, man. You don't wear shorts to a first Baptist. Well, he, he was, he was uh, wild enough not to know all that. I'm so glad that I got to see that. Well, he went on a mission trip in New Mexico, in-state mission trip, and he got saved. And then he got baptized the next day. And one day when he came back, he was all fired up. And the Lord said to me in the foyer of our church, the mall, we called it. He said, Alan, how long are you going to stand there and watch this guy? and not disciple him. Do you think that I brought John Burton into your life just for you? No. And so then I realized I got to disciple him. So I started relating to him. Now he was still doing meth. He was drinking. He was still weeding. He was smoking weed. He was just a guy that similar to myself. Back in the day, I was just trying to get things right. I'll tell you another story. Uh, sort of relating to Tim, but another story is I, I, our church became known for being a church of sinners. In other words, we attracted 
a motto of no perfect people allowed. And we started relating to people who are very unlikely, tattooed, bikers. I loved it. These people became family. We ended up reaching one of the biggest centers in our town, and he started coming to First Baptist Church. And, and that spilled over into our Calvary Chapel experience. We started relating to people who would have been, in Luke 15, 1 and 2, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the derelicts, people that normally would not come to church. We started reaching these people. And it was amazing. We were baptizing people and we were just going for it. And I started discipling people like crazy. I didn't spend much time in the office and I started spending more time in the community. I started these little discipling groups of the stuff I shared with you a few minutes ago that I started sharing all this stuff with them, pouring my life out because I thought, man, God's brought all these newer, younger believers, tattoo artists, love that. Uh, Just saw God move, man. We started relating to people the way Jesus related to people. Now, why do I say that? Because most churches don't relate to people the way Jesus related to people. We want to clean people up. We want people to become like us, and yet uh, (laughs) we want people to become like us before we've given them enough time to even transform the pathway toward Jesus. Let God do that work. So disciple-making is first of all relational. That's the phrase, it's more caught than it is taught. People catch it when you genuinely relate to them and you genuinely love them just because you love people. Uh, It's the way Jesus did it. And it's the way we have to do it. Some of our programs and strategies in the church in the West are so impersonal. And people can come off as if you wonder if they really care. Well, this is something to think about. Now, relationships require healthy disciple makers because relationships come with some Velcroed baggage. We all have baggage and it will tire you out. But Paul said, we gave our very lives to you. We didn't just come and teach you. We came and gave ourselves. Well, then there's the intentional part. Let me do number two. The intentional part, it's relational. So who could you pick out right now that you're relating to And that person is someone you could disciple. Intentional. Jesus said, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he said at the end, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the main verb in this is make disciples. Most people will say, well, the main verbs go. It's not. In the Greek New Testament, it's make disciples. It's really, literally, it says disciple. But the tense there gives the idea that you go and disciple. So when you disciple, you make disciples. Disciples are born, but then they're made. It's like a baby. A baby is born. Now, you don't bring that baby home and leave that baby to fend for itself. That baby gets nurtured. So how do we do this thing called disciple making? Number one, All these other words, going, baptizing, and teaching, and remembering his presence. These these four things are what make of disciple making. You got to see your life, number one, as on mission. Go. Go make disciples. There's got to be going. You need to be a going Christian. You need to be a Christian on the move. You need to see that your life and your spiritual gifts, all of your resources, all that God has brought into your life, God 
has brought that in so that you could go. Now your going may just be the supermarket. It may just be Walmart. It may be your neighbor. It may be that relationship that you're going to have to build for a long time before you ever get to get to the intentional content. But we go, we're intentional about this and we make disciples. And so what does that do? Go. And then baptizing, that gives us the evangelistic angle to our disciple making, the front door. Go. And then we ask people. At some point, we have to relate to them, but then we intentionally ask them, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? And maybe you share your story, and you tell people about how you came to know the Lord, and and next thing you know, they receive Christ. What you want to do is follow up with them, and Jesus here says baptizing. Baptizing doesn't mean you baptize them and they have not made a decision for Christ. It means that baptism is the beginning of the disciple-making journey in the aspect that this person is serious. This person is marking his or herself, like getting a tattoo. Don't, not a literal tattoo, but baptism is an, a, a, an outward visual marker of what's happened on the inside of your life. And then teaching them. And I want to get to this. We teach intentional content in our disciple-making. Why are one in 10 discipled one-on-one after they're saved and baptized? Why is there an anemic spiritual maturity in the Western church? Because we keep trying to program what Jesus says is relational, which is disciple-making. We've got to have intentional content. And so that's the four things I gave you. Confidence in your relationship with God. Experiencing the love and forgiveness of God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And walking in the Spirit. We teach these four truths so that people can give it away. Now, let me give you a Tim, use Tim again. Tim uh, started relating to him. He got saved. He got baptized. The Lord said, are you just going to sit there and watch this guy? Or are you ever going to disciple him? Am I bringing these newer, younger believers into your church, what, what, into, into the church where you're the pastor? It's not my church. But, and I said, you're right, Lord. So I said, Tim, is there any way you can meet with me every Thursday at 7 at Zoka Coffee Shop in Ruidoso? little coffee shop. You probably got a coffee shop like that in your town, wherever you live. And he said, yes, I'll be there. Well, he was all excited. The pastor is going to disciple him, you know, <laughs> like I'm anybody. But we started meeting and I started showing him confidence in your relationship with God. And I draw out on a piece of paper, these circles, and that's not a part of this podcast for you to see us too much, but we, I started discipling him. He would travel. I would text him. I'd say, when are you coming back? I'll be back. I'd say, okay, you're going to meet? Yes, we're going to meet. And after one year, I discipled, I discipled him and a guy named Jeremy Wood and another guy named Jonathan Allen. And as I discipled those guys, I was teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded us. That's great commission teaching. That's not pulpit teaching. Pulpit teaching is one thing, but teaching across a coffee table with an open Bible and showing people how to use that Bible is a whole different ballgame. And you can do it, my friend. You can do it. I started teaching Tim, and sure enough, I taught him. You can have confidence, man. That simple nature that you have, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to kick your butt every time. Confess your sins. I started talking to him and schooling him and, and teaching him, and sure enough, I never told him, by the way, never did I tell him 
hey, you ought to stop smoking or you ought to not smoke weed or, or man, you shouldn't be drinking at all. Stop drinking. Uh, you ought to stop this. And I never said that to him ever. Now my wife did. And she looked like Queenie when she did it. If I say it is judgmental, but I, I didn't say a word. Now why? Because God changed Tim. The Holy Spirit throughout this time, and I started thinking, who am I to have a right to tell somebody something about their external life when I have not spent 20 minutes getting to know them at all about their internal life? And God came in and he transformed them from the inside out. And Tim and these bikers and these friends of mine who were very different and other people, I had a 65-year-old lady during the pandemic who said, I've never been discipled. Can I get in on it? And I led her through a Zoom class on how to become a disciple for four months, her and about five other people at a Zoom class. So Jesus says, go, make disciples, baptize, going, baptizing, teaching them to obey. And then he says, remember, I'm with you. When we do these things, Jesus has made a promise to be with us. That is his assumed presence. He, we can know that we ought to pursue his presence. Lord, be with us. We ought to ask that. But he has made a promise to be with us until the end of the age as we do these things. But that's not where it ends. So, so disciple making is relational. Disciple making must be intentional. If it's not intentional, you know, and that we, I recommend don't buy books. The only book you need is a Bible. And if you're interested in this, I'm asking you to become a disciple maker, not a disciple. You're already that, a disciple maker. And if you're interested, there's going to be something coming soon that can help you with that, that I'm offering you. Well, um, the intentional content can be many things. I agree. You can have a, a class, which most churches don't have a new believers class. Well, we're going to start a new believers class, we'll say, but that never comes around. And uh, we got new members classes. Isn't that interesting? I'm not against them. I've used them. I still think they're great. I would still use one. But really? So we're going to have the church growth class, but not the newer, younger believer approach. Wow. So what's that say about our newer, younger believers? We hope you work out. <laughs> we're in trouble with that, right? So the last one is reproducible. It's relational. It's intentional. And then the third one is, Disciple making must be reproducible. Whenever I get to this part with pastors, they have no response because they're not making disciples who can make disciples. We're busy making disciples and we're not making disciples who can make disciples. Now, I know this can look differently, but when one in 10 newer, younger believers is followed up on one-on-one -on -one or one-on-three or at all, we have a major problem then then we've got a problem. And that's why I want to address this. So let me give you one more thing as, as I think about closing up this, this, this podcast episode. Reproducible. This, what we do must be reproducible. Now listen to what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2. He said, and entrust what you heard me say. So he says, or it's commit in some versions of the Bible. Commit or entrust what? What you heard me say. Now, what did he hear him say? What he heard him say is what he got from the Lord when the Lord taught him in going, baptizing, teaching, in the presence of God, 
Paul was converted and became a disciple through Ananias discipleship and Barnabas. Remember that? There's always an Ananias and a Barnabas that are needed in a person's life. He said, entrust what you have heard me say. So there's hearing of the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he says this, entrust what you heard me say in the presence of many others as witnesses Entrust to faithful people who will be competent. I love the Net, Bi Net Bible's version of that. Who will be competent to teach others as well. So Paul gave it to Timothy. Timothy would give it to faithful people and faithful people who would be able to give it to others who would be able to teach others as well. There's a fourfold giveaway in this downline. You know, it's funny. I mentioned Tim to you. Well, Tim's discipling a couple of guys right now as this podcast launches. He's discipling two brothers. He's discipled other men and, and he's discipled other people. And this guy went from meth addict to messenger of the gospel. He went from broken and no purpose to having complete purpose and is now becoming a rep in New Mexico for fellowship of Christian athletes. You see, if we will disciple the way Jesus says and spend time on it, it may take a year, but it's worth it. When I first learned these things, I had a couple of pastors in New Mexico put it up on a whiteboard for me. And they said, um, I said, I said, how long does this take? I said, six to eight weeks. And they said, it takes one year. And I started laughing and they weren't laughing. And I was like, what's wrong? And they go, it takes a year. You may have to give your life for a year. Now, usually I can give, um, I can get uh, people who, um, I can get people who have been Christians and uh, I, in about four months, I can give the material away. But um it may take six months to a year for me to give it away. At one time, I was discipling so many people that uh, <laughs> I had to stop discipling so many people because my calendar was packed. And, and that's a whole story. But what am I asking you to do today? I want to stop the podcast by asking you to become a disciple maker. If you would be willing to become a disciple maker in the pattern that I've given you, it would be a great investment of your spiritual life and resources. I will show you how to do this. If you want to become a disciple maker, you reach out to me in social media. I'll put my links. You can get to them. Uh, I'll put them in the show notes, but reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And let me know that you're interested in becoming a disciple maker, because I will work you through how to disciple a newer, younger believer. And once you learn these tools, and once you learn these techniques, it's not a program, it's organic, it's lifestyle disciple making with intentional efficiency that will bless your life. You will have people that you will release who will go and disciple other people also, and you will be doing it just like Jesus did it. What do you think? 
I'd like to know what you think. I would uh, leave a comment uh, below and, and reach out to me. Uh, you can leave a comment in, on my Facebook page. And I, uh, anywhere, uh, I would love to know what you think about what I'm talking about. This is a crucial piece. It's something that's been given to me from Dr. Lloyd C. Blue and John Burton and other people, but those two are the primary uh, uh, leaders in my life who've discipled me to become a reproducible leader in these matters. Our churches are in trouble, and, and somebody has to step up and say, you know what, we're going to have an intentional approach to discipling because people's lives and people's families and their children and our communities and our nation are at stake. And so that's what I have for you today. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And may he stoke you all up with everything that he has in you. I pray that you will kindle afresh the gift of God that is in you. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share this around where you can. Please send it to your pastor. Send it to friends who are stoky and want to learn these things. Please help me share around these social media places. Uh, you can get to us, of course, in Apple and in Google and where you do your podcast. Know that we love you. We value you. You are an amazing part of what God is doing in the Great Commission. And don't forget, stoke it up.